0: What's up, everybody? Will Brinson here, Big 6 Podcast, joining me today on this Tuesday morning for you, Monday night for us, John Breach. What's up, buddy?
1: Uh, not too much, man. Just trying to, uh, you know, when you have no more time to plan something and then it all hits you over the head, uh, that's where I am right now that,
0: yeah. with life. Yeah, because you're, of course, talking about your Packers big board. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're talking about your wedding, cause you're we- right? You are talking about your wedding, I assume. Because it's coming out this weekend.
1: Everything. The draft is in three weeks. That's that's overwhelming. My wedding's on Saturday. That's over. It's all just overwhelming. I don't know if I'm going to make it through the month of April.
0: Do you? Uh, what do you do when you have when you have something like that? Like when when all that stuff overwhelms you? Because my general reaction is to um, I'll bury myself in like work and just pretend like none of it's happening.
1: I think that's a pretty sound strategy. I, I do that <laughs> sometimes. You know, you just like. If you're not paying attention to it, out of sight, out of mind, right? Correct. Yes,
0: it can't. It can't make me anxious if I'm not. If I'm pretending like it doesn't exist, is
1: basically. I'm glad. I'm glad to know we subscribe to the same philosophy yeah. to ignore things.
0: Um, I'm excited. I'm coming to Nashville. Ryan Wilson's coming to Nashville. Um Eric Hayes coming to Nashville. Right. It's gonna be a good. Couple, uh... Yeah,
1: couple couple of our our editors
0: it's gonna be a good weekend should be fun uh this will probably be your last trip on this podcast as a single man so uh congratulations we're gonna talk some bingles as everybody knows six topics five minutes each first up though we gotta talk about ray lewis what is ray lewis doing why is he giving crazy jesus advice to odell beckham and uh why is he doing it on like a national sports show
1: Yeah, this is – every time I think Ray Lewis has gone off the rails, it's like he finds more rails so that he can go off those. Like he just – everything he says is crazier and crazier than what he said the last time he said it. And like you just said, why are you doing this in a national forum? If you have a problem with Odell Beckham and you really want to mentor him, maybe shoot him a text message or maybe call him. Maybe do what a normal person would do and a normal person doesn't jump on a national radio show and just start spewing uh, weird stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the worst possible thing you can do if you're Ray Lewis, well, the worst thing you can do is Facebook messaging because then uh, it would probably get captured by a Russian analytical team. But the second worst thing you can do is to go onto national radio and complain that Odell – and I don't think that the, the the construct itself was that far off. Like saying his foundation is not strong, and there you know he needs to work on the base. You because know, like there's a the old house metaphor, right? Like you can't build a you can't have a house with a bad foundation, or else the house will collapse on itself. And so your base layer has to be fundamentally sound, and then you build up from there. Um, you could have said it a little bit without the the old Jesus thing. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it just seems weird.
1: Yeah, I think my biggest issue is that he started off by saying, hey, look, Odell's life is going haywire because God's not in his life. And then two minutes later, he's like, oh, really? It's because Ray Lewis isn't in his life uh, because Odell doesn't talk to me anymore. And I'm just like, Ray, what are you saying there, man? Like, Is there a little Ray Lewis God euphemism going on? Because that's where it started. It started with he got rid of God in his life and then Five minutes later in that conversation, he's talking about how Odell actually dumped Ray Lewis from his life. And honestly, I can't blame Odell for not taking advice from Ray Lewis. That's probably on my list of – I don't want to say the last person I would take advice from because it's a pretty long list. But he's probably (laughs) in the top ten.
0: Here's the actual quote. And by the way, he was on The Herd with Colin Coward on FS1. And um, within the next – by the time that you're back from your honeymoon, I'm going to have this – uh, tech stuff figured out where I could play this audio. But for now, he says, when there's no God, there's chaos. Odell has removed God from his life. This is a kid that grew up under the covenant of who God really is. And everything he's doing, he's crying out for help. We have a lot of people reporting about it, but it's always been the duty of elders to go back to help people. So that's why I raised my hand. I don't... Okay, first of all, it seems a little bit of a stretch for Ray Lewis to presume that Odell has kicked God to the curb, and and to say that's why everything's going wrong in his life. Second of all, are we sure that Odell Beckham's life is going that poorly? And third of all, isn't this just a case of a player wanting money and kind of holding out, and that's why people are getting mad about it, and the fact that it's in the New York market? Because if Odell Beckham, if this is A.J. Green, this isn't a thing, John. I mean, like nobody's talking about this. This This is A.J. Green asking for more money from the Bengals.
1: Oh, absolutely. If this is AJ Green, literally, we're probably talking about uh, Odell Beckham anyway, but it has nothing to do with anything we're talking about because right. everyone would talk about something in New York over something in Cincinnati. And, and like you just said, what is Ray Lewis even talking about? Odell Beckham to me looks like a 25 year old who was just trying to enjoy the millions of dollars he's making and his fame. And it's that simple. It doesn't, you know, sure he's in a. Kind of a weird video and a position you don't want to be caught in necessarily off screen. If you're in the NFL on a video, people are high-fiving us, but you can't be in the NFL if you're in that position. So it just looks like a 25-year-old enjoying life. Yeah,
0: I think it's being drastically overblown. On to the next topic, which I have on my phone because I texted it to you. Andrew Luck, my pal, Andrew Luck. We're not really pals, um, but I have been on beating this bandwagon or beating down this drum for a long time about Andrew Luck's health and the fact that the Colts have botched things. You were on this podcast last week, and we were redoing the 2012 uh, NFL draft in terms of quarterbacks. You said you would take Nick Foles over Andrew Luck. I believe I called you crazy, and yet here we are. Andrew Luck says today on April the 9th, People are listening on April the 10th, but he said it on Monday, April the 9th, that he has not even picked up an NFL football yet. I believe the quote was, I haven't picked up the Duke yet. He's he's brand conscious, but he's not healthy, and it should be a concern. There's a long time toll the regular season, John, but are you worried that Andrew Luck might not be ready for the start of 2018?
1: Every time I talk about Andrew Luck, and I I hate saying this, I do not think he is going to be ready to play in 2018. I'm about 40% sure He's not ever going to play again. It is just everything you look at with the situation is a red flag. It is just like, you know, I don't know. It's like, you know, talking about Russia and the Facebook stuff, all those red flags. This is a bunch of red flags. This is, he hasn't played in what, a year and a half, September, 2016. Uh, They try to get him back on the field in October. He throws in one practice. All of a sudden he's out for six more months. That was after one or two days of throwing. Uh, I'm just extremely worried if I'm a Colts fan and I'm not putting many eggs in the Andrew Luck basket. I would love to see Andrew Luck come back, but there's just a lot of red flags here.
0: Are you starting to think that maybe this is why Josh McDaniels ultimately decided to turn down the job? I mean, like, if you're Josh McDaniels and you were you wanted to get an assurance that Andrew Luck would be healthy and you couldn't get one, I'm starting to think that this might be the biggest reason why. And even if you like Jacoby Brissett, if you go into that job in Indianapolis and Andrew Luck's not healthy now and not healthy in the future, you're putting yourself at great personal risk of losing your job because your team won't be very good. And as good as Jacoby Brissett is, and I think, I think he's pretty good. We saw last year the Colts could stink if Andrew Luck's not on the field.
1: Yes. You know, the thing with that theory though is that's also a huge slap in the face to Jacoby Brissett. True. Because he was with Josh McDaniels for multiple years, so that's Josh McDaniels saying, or he was with him in 2016, during his rookie year. So that's Josh McDaniels saying, "A, maybe Andrew Luck's not coming back. Maybe I can't get that assurance. And also, I don't want to work with this guy who I worked with for a year in New England. So, you know, I'm sure it's multiple reasons why he didn't take the job. But it wouldn't be surprising at all to find out that 10, 15% of the reason that decision was made is because he just couldn't get a hundred percent assurance whether or not luck was coming back.
0: Would you take uh Macaulay alum? And I believe current CFL player BJ Coleman over Andrew luck for 2018 right now,
1: man, my rule is if you cannot throw a football, I am not drafting <laughs> you, uh, but I'm going to draw the line of BJ Coleman. I will take Andrew luck over BJ Coleman.
0: Did you see what I wrote in my story? I don't know if you saw this or not. My, my alma mater, Macaulay got very excited and they tweeted it out. Cause I wrote in there, I was like, 10, BJ Coleman. I was like, as everyone knows, McCauley is the greatest high school in America and produces the best looking and smartest alumni. And I think they actually, they, they, they somehow, some of the PR people stumbled upon it and found it very interesting. Um, I they think probably ate that up. Yes, they did. I think they were very pleased with that. The, so the Colts, the Colts don't need to draft a quarterback though, right? I mean, they, they, that ship sailed as soon as they traded down for number three.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't think they draft a quarterback. I think you go with Jacoby as your guy. If Andrew Luck can't get on the field, and this is the year, you know, if Andrew Luck doesn't play in 2018, I think everyone's going to be on board by his career is probably over, theory. Uh, You know, obviously, we do not know, but if he does not play in 2018, that's two straight years, and then you draft a quarterback next year. But I think this is the year where you don't need to worry about that in the first round.
0: Yeah. I, I tend to agree. I think, in that you know, you got the bonus of trading for Jacoby Brissett, which sort of bails you out there. There are two big name quarterbacks. These are the kings of page views over the last five or ten years. Tim Tebow was in the news because Steve Spurrier, his old coach, who's now on the um, CBS airing uh AAFL, I believe it is. Is Spurrier's going to be a coach in Orlando? He says he. I love, I, lo- I love to coach with Tim Tebow. Bring him on out. I, lo- I love to coach with that kid. Um, that's my best, uh, Steve Spurrier. It wasn't great. I'm usually better at it. And then Johnny Mandel, who, uh, played in the spring game. Ryan Wilson said he thought he did all right. You were working Saturday. Let me ask you this, John Breach. Would you rather Tim Tebow or Johnny Mandel? And in the t- case of Tebow, that basically would you rather, who would you rather your quarterback be if you were starting a franchise and those are your only two choices? Tim Tebow or Johnny Mandel? If you get Tebow, you also get Spurrier if you want him.
1: Wow. That is. The most interesting question I think I've ever received about (laughs) a potential draft pick. Uh, Do I start my franchise with Tebow or Manziel? You know what? If Spurrier's in the package, I'm taking Tim Tebow. I'm not sure what Johnny Manziel has in the tank anymore. I watched that entire game, the entire game. You know, I sat and watched the spring league. There's the other guys in that field will probably, you know, that's, could be the last football game they ever play, and besides this week when they play their second game, that's the end of the season on Thursday. Uh, Manziel was just he didn't look good, you know. I, I don't know what else to say. You, if you consider the level of competition he was going up against, uh, I wasn't impressed, and I'm not an NFL scout, but I do feel like I can judge a quarterback's talent pretty well. And uh, wasn't impressed with Manziel.
0: I think that I would rather go with Manziel because. And this goes back to the, this is my Broncos theory. Pete Prisco always talks about it, how John Elway used Peyton Manning to get out from under Tim Tebow, because Tebow, Tebow was like a, I don't want to call him a cockroach, but like you couldn't kill him. I mean, he would, you know, he would, he would just keep going and winning games and then pulling off miracles and the fans were obsessed with him. And so Elway couldn't get away from him, even though he wanted to get a traditional quarterback and he was just, he, he was, won a playoff game, Brinson. He won a playoff game. I know he beat the, he beat Ryan Wilson Steelers in the playoffs. Um, if you ever hang out with Ike Taylor, don't talk about that game. He doesn't, cause he was the guy covering Demarius Thomas on that, uh, on that slant. And I think, I think I've mentioned it in front of my Taylor and I don't think he liked it very much. So um don't mention it in front of my Taylor, I guess is my point, but I would rather go with Manziel because I think it'd be easier to get out from under Manziel. If, if, if he's being bad, the Browns freaking cut Johnny Manziel. They got out from under Johnny Manziel and uh it took the Broncos a full Peyton Manning and free agency. Per, uh uh per, They had to chase Peyton Manning and free agency in order to get out from under Tim Tebow. So give me Johnny Manziel in that case. The other drama that surfaced on Monday, and again, we're talking about Tuesday. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. We're doing six topics, five minutes each. We might even be a little bit shorter this podcast because John knows that I have a kid that I have to put to bed. John has a a bad back and a wedding to plan for and a Packers draft board to plan. So you got a lot going on. Breach. The Patriots had the whole tension thing, there was stuff between Brady and Belichick and maybe Robert Kraft, and now it comes out via the Boston Herald and NBC Boston, Tom Curran added on to that report, that Gronk got called out in public in front of all of his teammates and the Patriots by Bill Belichick, who basically sarcastically accused Gronk of being crappy in practice in the preseason because he was on the TB12 diet. How do you think that sat with Gronk and with Tom Brady? Man, let me just
1: say that all of this is just impeccable timing. Mean, you brought up my bad back, and I've literally never had any sort of injury in my life. And you know what my thought was when my back started hurting? I was like, if I was on the TV12 <laughs> diet, if I was doing the TV12, I bet my back doesn't hurt. And you know what I did? I got Brady's book. It's on my phone, it is literally there. I'll show it to you after this podcast. This is no joke. I have the TV12 book, the TV12 method. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to get my pliability up, and my back starts hurting more. <laughs> And so here's what I have to say about this, that it worked for Brady, and it apparently worked for Gronk because the guy did not get injured. This guy is an injured. He's been battling injuries for, what, the past few years? He made it through the entire 2017 season without getting banged up. And I'm Alex Guerrero. That's the poster child now. Like, forget Brady. Brady's a machine. Brady is, uh, you know, he is Brady – Nobody is Brady, and so he, it's not surprising that he's healthy all the time because that's just the way he lives life. But Gronk is a party animal who's out all the time, who is just being a normal person uh, everywhere. Uses the TV12 diet and all pro looks amazing. He should be on the cover. I want the TV12 Gronk
0: diet. Get me on that. Somebody write a book on that. RG69. Could, I would read it. Yeah, I mean, look, you're not wrong. Gronk had he missed one game for injury. And he missed the second half of the um, AFC Championship game. And he missed one game because of suspension. But by and large, it was the healthiest season he's had in his career. He caught seven touchdowns over a 1,000 passes, 69 catches. It's a very nice number for Gronk. I mean, he had, I think he averaged like 77 yards per game. He had one of his two or three best seasons. And, you know, he didn't have his, like his second year in the league, he caught, like 1,300 yards or or something ridiculous, and and 17 touchdowns led the league in touchdowns. So he didn't have that number, but he had a great season. And if being pliable, and now apparently, according to the Herald, he's down to 260 pounds. usually plays at 265, but he's going to get it back up before the season. If Gronk is looking that svelte and feeling that much better about the way he plays, I agree with you. Put this guy on the cover. Be like, yo, I'm Alex Guerrero. And I, you might think I'm crazy and you might think Tom Brady's a weirdo, but I fixed Gronk. Gronk has been broken since college because he's a, he's a, he's in, he's a not human human. He's six five can run like a gazelle and and destroys people all while slinging down Jaeger bombs. And, and the fact that he's now perfectly healthy and playing well is impossible when you consider all that, you know, he's dealt with and all the back surgeries and all the arm surgeries and all that. So I'm with you. If I'm Alex Guerrero, I'm pointing to Gronk. And I'm saying I fixed this dude, RG69 is is or Gronk69 whatever whatever it is some sort of labeling for Gronk's uh, Gronk's new setup. Okay, we're gonna dive in for the remainder of the podcast into the Bengals draft situation. Cincinnati Bengals, you're wearing you are currently wearing three Cincinnati Bengals jerseys: one Jim Breach, one Andy Dalton, and one Vontez Burfict. I don't know why you're doing that. People can't see it, but it's it's just weird. Just have to go with it. And you probably have a Joey Votto jersey on underneath that. You're a big Cincinnati guy. What are the what is the Bengals best case scenario? Bearing in mind they traded down there at number twelve. They got Cordy Glenn in the draft. They moved down to twenty one in that in that pre in that offseason trade with the Bills. What do you want to see happen at twenty-one if you're the Cincinnati Bengals?
1: Here's what I want to see happen uh while I wear my perfect Dalton Breach jersey. Uh, here's why I love the pick love that. They traded down to 21 is because I I absolutely think they need to use that on an offensive lineman. And you look at the offensive lineman in this draft, and I don't think there's very many of them that would have been worth the 12th overall pick. Mm. So it would have been kind of reaching there. Kind of like they did last year with John Ross, (coughs) nothing, not, not still (laughs) bitter or sensitive about that. And I thought it was a horrible pick at the time. It was, I think everyone did. Uh, so you take a lineman that high at number 12, then I don't I don't know if I want that. But now that they're at 21, that's the perfect spot, and there's a couple tackles, a couple guards that are graded out in the low 20s that would be perfect for grabbing. And I do think they absolutely have to take a lineman because Cordy Glenn, I love that they added a left tackle, but the dude is just injury-riddled, and you have no idea if he's going to be on the field for all 16 games. So... First round lineman.
0: I tend to agree with that. And I think you're right uh, about the 12 and 21 thing. You don't want to be at 12 and the Bengals aren't necessarily, I know that they traded in this case, but that's not really their MO, right? Like they don't usually move all around the board and and trade up and down. I I don't feel like, I feel like they tend to be pretty conservative about where they draft, where they sit, what they do um, with their picks. And you look at the, you know, when you look at offense, they could probably use a little bit of help at wide receiver, but you just invested a first-round pick in John Ross. You know, you put you put a second-round pick in Tyler Boyd two years ago. Brandon LaFell will not go away on that depth chart, and of course, you have AJ Green. You have Tyler Eifert, who's a 2013 first-rounder that you're hoping um, is, is able to get healthy and, and play this year. And at running back, you invested a second-round pick last year in Joe Mixon. Giovanni Bernard is a top-10 paid running back. Somehow, you finally got rid of Jeremy Hill. For the love of God. And, um, I think you have to continue acting like Andy Dalton is your franchise quarterback. It wouldn't be surprising to me if they decided to go with a pass rusher, maybe at defensive end. Um, you know, they got some good guys in, in last year's draft with Carl Lawson. And am I missing somebody else that they got? Carl Lawson had a really nice season. Fourth rounder out of Auburn. Um, they signed Preston Brown, a linebacker, in free agency. They, of course, have Vontaze Burford coming back. They've always invested in cornerbacks, but it feels like William Jackson came on strong last year, and Drake Kirkpatrick, God, I, can't, I can't believe he was drafted in 2012. That seems impossible. Um, they've got three first-round cornerbacks on, on the depth chart with those two guys and Darquez Denard. So, to me, you're right. The, li- the offensive line position is the critical piece to helping Andy Dalton play better and I don't think you can ask a left tackle to slot in and start right away. We saw what happened when they tried to do that with Cedric Bowie and Jake Fisher. Those, you know, They kind of gave those guys a redshirt year, but they just weren't ready. Um, do you think they could potentially go with a center or a guard instead of a tackle?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I think they could, and I think that uh, you reach in there. I would almost prefer guard. they take a center or a guard based on what they need. But again, at the 21st spot, you almost feel like you're not getting your value if you don't take a tackle because that's a quote unquote more important position. Uh, but you know, like if there's a right guard up there, they really, 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 really like, then I have no problem with them taking them. As a matter of fact, if the Bengals turn in the card and it's a center, I'm not, I don't even love the idea of a team taking a center in the first round. I would be okay with it.
0: Okay, I'm going to say that this, the, here is their best case scenario for the Cincinnati Bengals, is they are, they're there at 21, and Notre Dame offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey, who lined up next to Quentin Nelson, I watched him play in person, he's really dominant, um, I don't think, I mean, he's not really dominant, he's really sound. And I think that he would be a very capable guy to slot in at right tackle or to fill in for Cordy Glenn at left tackle if they needed it. I think that's their best case scenario. Um, the next, the next couple of guys that I think would make a lot of sense, Will Hernandez, the guard out of UTEP that, that's getting a lot of run, could end up even going a little bit earlier. Um, you know, clearly I don't think like Quentin Nelson's going to trade down. I mean, we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to take that out of play in, in this particular instance. Um, I also think that they would be fine with James Daniels. The center slash guard hybrid can play uh, out of Iowa, and then Pete Prisco has Colton Miller as the best offensive tackle in this class. So maybe if Colton Miller's there, and then uh, the other the other guy Isaiah Wynn, who could certainly be on the board, uh, really he's a kind of an ex- powerful, explosive guard out of Georgia, can sort of play all over the place. So I actually think that the Bengals are in really a good spot for this draft. And I think it, now that we talk about it, you're right, John. It would it would be. Um, we can talk about the worst case now. I, I don't know that there is a worst case with those five five or so guys on the board. Like, What's the worst case scenario for the Bengals then?
1: Uh, the worst case scenario is the John Ross scenario all over again where someone, a uh, wide receiver, or running back, someone who is high on their draft board falls to them at 21. And Marvin says, you know, no, forget our lineman needs. We're taking this guy because he's up there, and I don't care what position we need, and then they take him. So not taking a lineman is the worst-case scenario,
0: <laughs> that, which is a good
1: worst-case scenario to have if you're the Bengals.
0: That's not out of the question either. I mean, I, I don't think they would do it with running back because they just invested in Joe Mixon. I mean, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think so, but you just you just really never know. I mean, the, the John Ross pick was surprising. Uh but they've done pretty well with the first-round picks over the past two years, so I'm not really hugely concerned. You talk about Drake or Patrick, Tyler Eifert, uh, Darkeese, Dernard. darkez uh, Dernard, yeah, Dar- yeah. Yeah, darkez. And, uh, so <laughs> darkez, you have. I like that. Uh, but yeah, so you have plenty of first-round picks they've made. So if, if I trust this coaching staff to do one thing, it is make a first-round pick. I will give them that strike last year because uh, who knows? John Ross maybe turns his career around this year. You know, I don't think it's going to happen, but it could. And if it does, then they have an even stronger track record than they already
0: have. So you would not be happy if, say, like DJ Moore fell to them, the wide receiver out of Maryland, fell to them at 21 and they took DJ Moore. I assume you would be unhappy with that situation.
1: I would be unhappy with that situation.
0: Or Calvin Ridley from Alabama, who Christian mean, Raposo does not like.
1: If 20. Calvin Ridley fell down to 21 – and the Bengals selected him after taking John Ross last year and <laughs> after having AJ green and after taking Tyler Boyd in the second round a couple years ago, yes, I would be highly disappointed.
0: All right. That's but actually, also,
1: I would buy a Calvin Ridley Jersey and I would enjoy it.
0: That's a, that's a pretty good worst case scenario. Do you think that there's any chance that they go defense? Cause they, I think there's, I think they're in pretty good shape at cornerback. You know, they invested in the linebacker position. As we pointed out, I wouldn't be stunned if they took a defensive end or a, even maybe a defensive tackle. I, you know, I know they got Geno Atkins there, of course. Um, they got a lot of bodies on that front line. You feel like Marvin kind of looks at this defense and says, we're fine. We don't need to upgrade that. We've got to protect Andy Dalton. I mean, that, that's how it feels this plays out the more you look at it. Um, but they've been known to, I mean, look, they've got one, two, three, four, I think four first, uh, four first round picks on their defense. Um, who are currently on there versus? Actually, actually, they have they have four four first four former first round picks on the offense as well. So I guess it's pretty split out evenly. Um, I, I guess I just wouldn't be stunned if they They were like, "Here's the best defensive player on our board." Would that make you angry?
1: I don't know if it would make me angry, but I think if you're the coaching staff, you have to say, "Hey, look, we gotta stop giving ourselves excuses for keeping Andy Dalton." Either Andy Dalton's good or Andy Dalton's not good, and we don't know because we don't ever really give him a chance. We gave him a chance in 2015. He looked like an MVP for 14 weeks. Last year, he did not have an offensive line. Literally zero quarterbacks in the NFL except for maybe Tom Brady could have been successful behind the Bengals' offensive line last year. That doesn't mean that Dalton is better than all these other quarterbacks. It just means that he didn't have a chance to succeed. They didn't put him in a position where he could succeed, so they have to give him an offensive line. And then once they have that all there – and he still doesn't do well, they say, all right, it's time to move on for Andy Dalton, but until that happens, you know, I hear a lot of Bengals fans saying, hey, why don't they just get a quarterback this year and start the process of moving along from Dalton, and, you know, I just think that's a horrible idea. Give Dalton a chance to win. See if he can do it, and uh, you do that by beefing up the offensive line.
0: What would be worse, drafting a wide receiver slash running back or taking
1: another quarterback? If they took a quarterback with the first-round pick, yes, man, I might have to jump teams, a jump ship. Start, wow. cheering for the,
0: start cheering for the Jaguars. <laughs> the Jaguars, I like it. The, the Jaguars, J- 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 Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: if you look at this division, we're talking like we've been talking. I've been talking about the Browns as like a sneaky team to finish in second place in the division because the Steelers are so far ahead of everybody else. But the Steelers have problems on 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 defense. Le'Veon Bell is not reporting. Um, you know, I mean, the offense struggled out of the gate last year when they were trying. You know, they're, they're going to be incorporating um, a new offensive coordinator. So I mean, like, th- like there's a this is a division that's in flux. And just two years ago, the Bengals were a team that was consistently competing and winning the division, and right there with Pittsburgh and trying to make a run and try to win that first playoff game for Marvin. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you. I think if you're if you're the Bengals, you have to look at this year as not all in on winning now, but, I mean, Marvin was gonna about to get fired at the end of last year until that miraculous victory over the Ravens that, that helped out the Bills, and and it feels like this is one of those things where if you're the Bengals, you need to do everything you can to win now, and the best way to win now is to have Andy Dalton play at a high level, and the best way to have Andy Dalton play at a high level is to give him some protection up front. So, Marvin, no, go ahead, John.
1: Well, I was going to say, and the other thing about last year, you know, because the Bengals aren't a team that most people pay attention to, and they were a completely average team last year, and they probably should have gone 10-6. and six. Yeah. They lost four games by four or fewer points. Wow. You know, they had that overtime loss to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers when they blew a gigantic lead that they should never have blown. Uh, they lost to the Texans in a primetime game, 13-9. to nine. I think that was Deshaun Watson's first start. Uh, they probably shouldn't have lost one. They lost to the Titans. Marcus Mariota threw that touchdown pass with like under a minute left. Bengals uh, lost 24-20. And then, obviously, they lost to the Steelers in the Monday night game that I still cry about before I go to bed oh, yeah. at, at the Ryan Shazier game. Yeah, I uh, But that that was also a dramatic loss where they had this huge halftime lead and blew it. So, so they went two of those games, and all of a sudden they're 9-7. and seven And
0: – a completely different season. It felt like during that Monday night game that they were about to win. Like, like I mean, it, it really did. I mean, like, we're not to win. It felt like they were going to win that game. They're going to cruise in that game. And then they were going to make the playoffs because they were starting to finally put some stuff together. And then Pittsburgh stormed back and everything fell apart. So I'm with you. The Bengals are not dead yet. Marvin Lewis could make some noise. They are a little sleeper team to make the playoffs. And they just got to do some stuff right in this draft. All you gotta do is have them not screw up the draft, John. No big deal. No pressure for you. Uh, Marvin Lewis, give John Breach a wedding present. Thanks for popping on the podcast again. If you, if you want to tweet it, John, and congratulate him on his upcoming, impending nuptials at John Breach on Twitter, at Pick Six Pod on Twitter, and uh, subscribe, rate, review, give us a five star, uh, five star, five star number helps out the bosses, helps out the numbers, makes us look good. Thanks, buddy. Hey,
1: anytime. You know, I do want to see the Bills draft a kicker. I'm always about drafting kickers. They drafted one last year, and that dude, Jake Elliott, ended up in the Super Bowl with the Eagles. It wasn't with the Bengals, but, you know, 1% of me felt that Super Bowl win with him. So uh, I'd love to see another kicker.
0: Congratulations on your success. All right, talk to you soon, man.